Thursday. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, post-NFL draft edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Good Lord, the draft is finally over. It's finally, finally, finally over, which is sad yet happy at the same time for me because that means that we are getting closer and closer to the NFL season, and it also means I don't need to be stressing out as much anymore over the NFL draft because, as you know, if you know me, well, I should say, if you know me on a personal level, and even if you listen to this show quite a bit, you know that I stress about the NFL draft more than anything else in the sporting world because I pride myself on trying to get everything exactly right, and I overthink things all the time, which is what happened in my latest mock draft, which things that I should have had that I didn't have. And we'll talk about that a little bit in this show. I'll also go over the entirety of the draft, who I think won the draft. I'm not going to go over losers of the draft, because I think that's stupid to say losers of the draft. But we'll go over some teams that I thought did extremely well for themselves in the draft that might have pushed their team even farther than they already were, like they were a playoff team last year, and now they put themselves in possible Super Bowl contention, or teams that just made themselves better and gave their fans something to be excited about. And I'm excited to do that. And yeah, that's essentially it for today. And I want to keep this show a little bit shorter today because I am physically and mentally drained from this weekend. I did the draft thing on Thursday. So if you are unaware of what I did on Thursday, if I didn't talk about what I did on Thursday, so I did obviously did the Instagram live thing with my friend Tyler. And then I did my own show right after the draft. And before the draft, I went on Colin Company to go over the NFL draft as we were getting closer and closer to the draft actually happening. So I did three separate things covering the draft on Thursday and didn't get a lot of sleep on Thursday. And then Friday, I went to Iowa City with my friend because on Saturday, Iowa had their second spring game or spring practice that fans could go to of the season. They had one like two or three weeks ago or something like that. And they just had another one. And I'll give you some little tidbit on that. But that's also drained me as well because I got not, I'm not sunburnt. I got, I should, uh, well, I did kind of get sunburnt, but nothing too bad. My friend Noah got toasted. Like he was red, red, like super red. And I looked at over at him and we were in row 69 for the culture. And I looked over at him and said, dude, do you want to go over behind the score or below the scoreboards? Because that, that was the only place in Kinnick Stadium that had any sort of shade. And he was like, yeah, yeah, let's go over there. Well, let's see if you want to. I said, well, it's not what I want. It's what you want. You're red as the old Bill's helmets. Like, let, let's go to the shade. So we make our way eventually over to underneath the scoreboard where the shade is. Before we get over there, Noah and I stop at the concession stands to get some beverages, to get some snacks of some sort. And Noah gets a $5 bucket of popcorn just so he can snack on it while we're finishing off practice. And we get it. And what we what we gained in lack of sun, or what we, is it what it be called? Gain in lack of sun? Or what we, we eliminated sun, but we gained an insane amount of wind. And Saturday, all over the state, was insanely windy. It was like 85, 90 degrees it fell. Like probably 80, 85 degrees outside but really freaking windy. Not like uncomfortable wind, but it was like you'd start laughing like this is kind of ridiculous at this point. So we're sitting underneath the scoreboard feeling nice with no sun beating down on us anymore. And I was smart. I had a my William Penn dry fit shirt on. It's a long sleeve shirt and it's a Nike shirt. So, you know, I'm not going to get too hot 
And I also didn't get too sunburnt out of it as well. My legs got sunburnt, but I wanted them to get some sort of burn on them because I wear jeans all day, every day for work. So I, I was like, I, my legs are going to be pasty white if I don't take advantage of this opportunity. So I, at times I would lean back, pull my shorts up, and lift my shirt up just so I could even get my belly a little bit red, which didn't happen, which is a good thing slash a bad thing. But we go over to the shaded spot. Noah sets the popcorn down on the bench. Within about five minutes of it being there, it gets blown over by the wind. It's about three-fourths of the way full. Blows over. So then Noah goes, oh, well, let's set it on the ground. It won't blow over. I would have had my hand on it. And he said, well, if we just set it on the ground, it should be fine. I was like, oh, yeah, that should that kind of makes sense. Within 30 seconds of it being on the ground, it blows over again. It spills out most of the rest of the popcorn that we had. So we had about five minutes of good popcorn, and then it was kernels, essentially, at the bottom. And it was good popcorn, too. That was the annoying part. It was very, very good popcorn. It was so fantastic. It was what we needed on that day. But all in all, minus the fun stuff with the sun and the wind, Iowa's offense stinks. I, uh, I, uh, maybe it's just from this one practice. I didn't go to the first one. There was one touchdown the entire practice, and it was by the four-string quarterback, number 11. I, I don't even know his name. I'm sorry about that. One touchdown. You know, from what I heard from the first practice, I was going to go to the first practice, but we had family coming to town, so that guy, the plans to go up to that guy axed off. From what I heard, Padilla looked much better than Petrus in the practice. And in this practice, I don't think either one of them covered themselves in glory. There were times in the games where in the, the simulations that they had, where 11 on 11 drills, where there's players wide open in the middle of the field with like nobody near them that could have a walk in touchdown, and we're trying to check it down the entire time. And I turned to Noah and I was like, is this getting coached out of them? Like, why, why are they making these short throws when there's a player wide open in the middle of the field? Or is this just getting taught to take the easy play? And, and to be honest and honest, the play that was wide open in the middle of the field was easier to make than the, ten, the two-yard screen pass that the defender 90% of the time jumped at the practice. And then there were some throws when they were having their little one-on-one drills with the quarterback, wide receivers, and D-backs. They try to throw back shoulder when they're a yard past their defender. Like, what the hell is going on here? And I know it's easy to do this from the stands. It's easy to do it, uh, oh, and sitting from your couch, go, oh, I would have made this play. I'm not saying I would have made it. I'm not saying I'm, no, I'm nowhere near as good as the quarterbacks that Iowa has, but these are simple, simple plays. And none of them look very good. And I did this last year when we talked about Spencer Petras and the whole, oh, he's not ready to play because of COVID. That excuse only works if he never did anything in Iowa's offense ever. Then that excuse works. Then you can go, oh, yeah, he did, he wasn't ready because of COVID. He's practiced in the same goddamn system for three years. This isn't something new. It's Brian Ferentz's offense that is the most restricted offense to any positive players that Iowa has. Iowa had two possibly drafted into wide receivers last year. And Nico Regani and Sam Laporta led the team in receiving. No offense to those two, but Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset are levels above those two. Brandon Smith, unfortunately, didn't get drafted. Amir Smith-Marset, congratulations, getting drafted by the Vikings in the fifth round. You had Tyler Goodson in the backfield. Brian Ferentz, I don't know what it is. Well, I do know what it is. He can't call plays. He's a former offensive lineman that gets uber conservative all the time. But the problem is, 
He's not even conservative on that side. He, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just so weird. They're the most boring team to watch. Even when they're playing themselves. I, I turned to Noah. I was like, I don't know if the defense is playing really good or the offense just sucks. I narrowed it down to the offense just stinks. Like, Brandon Smith went on Twitter after getting drafted and posted, there was a video going around that said, oh, congratulations, Brandon Smith getting drafted, signed by the Cowboys. And it was him making a play over a Penn State defender. He said, honestly, should have been doing that a lot more. But, side. Yes, he should have been doing that a lot more. And then someone replied, first down, stretch running right. Second down, stretch running left. Third down, third and long, screen pass, punt. And he did the target emoji because that's exactly what Iowa does. They're not a fun team to watch. And Petrus, to by all accounts at this point in time, and you could go the whole, oh, we defend him because of COVID thing. His offensive coordinator is the one person that cannot make that excuse because he is the one calling the plays for Petrus. After the Northwestern game, when he threw 50 passes and missed countless open receivers, one for a touchdown that he decided to check down a yard in front of him when Iowa was backed up to like their own 15-yard line or something like that. Oh, he's not ready to play. He didn't have a spring. Then don't throw it 50 times. Hand the ball to Tyler Goodson. And then when Tyler Goodson would be in a stretch, it would be like, oh, okay, well, now it's Makai Sargent's turn to go and no real rhythm to the running backs. Like, why are we pulling Goodson out right now? I get Makai Sargent would want his carries, but if Goodson's got the hot hand, why are we pulling him out just so we can appease Makai Sargent? I pray that doesn't happen this year. Goodson's by far the best player they have on that offensive side of the ball. If that happens again with Ivory Kelly Martin, I'm that's stupid. Or Gavin Williams or whoever they have at running back this year. It's stupid. Their offense stinks, and I don't know what it is, and I don't want to hear the COVID excuse of they didn't have a spring practice last year because none of these guys were first-year starters last year. Other than Petrus, who has worked with these receivers before. If he never worked with these receivers before, then I would assume, okay, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt on that. This is the greatest group of weapons Iowa has ever had. There is no excuse. I don't care if you say COVID was an excuse for no spring practice. It's not like he never worked with these guys before. Then why did Derek King ball out this year when he was playing at Miami his first year there? Not first year as a starter, no, it was his first year there and carried Miami on offense. Why did Spencer Rattler do so well towards the end of the season, even though he struggled at the beginning of the year? He was only there for one year. Peters was there for three. <laughs> like, if he was a true freshman, I would understand that. That excuse holds weight if he's a true freshman. As a redshirt, what is he, redshirt junior, redshirt sophomore last year? That That does not work. In this scenario. It does not. And there is no way you can sit here and say he should be the unquestioned starter after watching last year. He looked antsy on more throws than not last season. And Brian Ferentz, I swear to God, if if and when, well, when Kirk Ferentz retires and Brian Ferentz gets the head coaching job, good Lord. There is no way in hell he can get the head coaching job, but you know what? I think Iowa fans have kind of just accepted it at this point that he's going to get the head coaching job. And everybody should hate that. He sucks as an offensive coordinator. He's just a former player and son of the head coach. If he was not related to Kirk Ferentz, I refuse to believe he'd have the head the offensive coordinator job in the lead at the new head coaching job. 
The new head coach would be Chris Kleiman at, at Kansas State. Easily. That's, that's the one they should move for. A younger coach that has won at almost every level, or almost every level. He's won at the FBS level as well. Won with North Dakota State at Kansas State. He's beaten Oklahoma the two times he's played them. That's what you should look for. Brian Ferentz can't call plays. You have two amazing wide receivers. Three, including Tyrone Tracy. And you don't use them. You go basically out of your way to use them and then back on the, oh, it's COVID. No, it's not. Stop calling checkdowns. Go with the hot hand. You can move quarterbacks. I know this is what Kirk has never done unless you're Jake Christensen bad, but that needed to happen at some point last year. We needed to see something in there. And as we get close to the fall, I hope Padilla pushes him a little bit because as a former quarterback, and I'm not saying I was the best quarterback ever, but I like to feel that I know how to evaluate a quarterback, it was not good. And I don't want to hear the COVID excuse. That's a lazy excuse because that would mean only Iowa was affected by that. If Petrus wasn't there for all the years sitting behind Nate Stanley, who is currently on an NFL roster, learning from him, then I would give you the excuse. It's like, oh, well, then every single time they should struggle. I'd, it's so stupid. He hasn't looked good this spring. So, what? what <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. You're pissing off Brandon Smith. You're pissed off Mir Smith-Marset, I assume. He's not said anything. But that was the greatest group of weapons, unit-wise, Iowa's had. Iowa's had better receivers and better weapons, but as a unit, this was the best one ever. And it sucked. Iowa was boring to watch in the spring game. They did not look good on offense. They scored one touchdown and kicked like 18 field goals. It it was not fun to watch. So I hope they get their shit sorted out before the season starts. I hope Petrus is really the guy. I'm willing to hold out faith for him right now. But if, if there's no improvement, make the change. Don't be so hesitant on it like he has been in the past. Don't do that. It took him till the bowl game to bench Jake Rudolph for C.J. Beathard. When every fan out there said, put in C.J., put in C.J., but he has that loyalty issue, and Iowa in all sports pretty much has that. Iowa basketball got Trey Dickerson, the number one Juco prospect, and continue to play Mike Gasell and Anthony Clemens. Like Tyler Ulis, when he before he committed to Kentucky, he, his, op- his number two option was Iowa. If he went to Iowa, he would have sat right behind Gasell and Anthony Clemens again because they were there before. Doesn't matter if they were better or worse than them. It's, you're not there. So we're going to give those opportunities to the guy. And you can agree with that all you want. I'm of the mindset of the best players play. And if you've got some sort of loyalty to some person off the field as well, then you're basically screwing the backup in that situation. But man, spring practice sucked. It was hot and windy, and I got some sort of burn on me. But they need to get that stuff figured out in offense because that needs to change sooner rather than later. And Brian Ferentz won't get fired until Kirk's gone because Kirk will never fire Brian, even though he's had numerous opportunities to get fired at Iowa. Numerous. And it's not just limited to play calling, even though he sucks at that, and that's enough to get him fired. But yeah. I'm ready to move on. I, I will just see. And like Looking at this... This is sad. I, I've been big. I'm a huge supporter of North Dakota State football. I'm not a fan of them because they're, you know, rivals of you and I. But 
North Dakota State has more quarterbacks taken in the top five the past six years than the Big Ten has in the top ten in the last 30 years. We can count Joe Burrow in that as well, I guess. So we can have one Big Ten quarterback, even though he came out of LSU. But why can't the Big Ten push quarterbacks to a top ten drafting? Now, Justin Fields got screwed out of that this year. That was a whole other thing that we're not going to get into right now. But he got drafted 11th. But that's kind of that's crazy. Five or two in the top ten, two in the top five in the last six years, zero in the top ten the last thirty years. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. Now, are there any Big Ten quarterbacks coming up right now that could get drafted in the top ten? Like that I've seen play. Not that I could think of really. Big Twelve, yeah, they always have quarterbacks coming out of the Big Twelve. Like Patrick Mahomes, Patrick or Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Spencer Rattler will be a top ten pick, one would assume. But man, why is it the Big Ten in quarterbacks? Good lord. Crazy. Crazy. And then this is since we're talking about North Coast Day. I saw this on social media. This is from 24-7 Sports, best small coup quarterbacks ever. Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo, Joe Flacco, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tony Romo, Steve McNair, Kurt Warner, Stan Humphreys, Rich Gannon. And Ken O'Brien. The best one on there is obviously Kurt Warner. I would say second best is Steve McNair. I love Steve McNair. Kurt Warner is the only one out of these people that's currently in the Hall of Fame. And I think the only one that will be in the Hall of Fame. I think Steve McNair has the closest shot of going to the Hall of Fame out of the rest of them. I think Tony Romo might rank third in that as regards to who would make the Hall of Fame out of these quarterbacks. I think those are the top three. Warner, McNair, Romo. That would be my rankings for him anyways. I, I, Trey Lance could definitely be up there because I think Trey Lance has got all the potential in the world to be a world beater with the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm excited to see what he does at the next level because dude's an absolute beast at North Coast State. Now I'm excited to see what he does. Really excited to see what he does. And that brings up what I wanted to talk about when I mentioned at the start of the show. Don't overthink your drafts, okay? Go with your gut. That's what I would take out of that. So I went through this weekend and looked at my drafts that I had, and I did a no-trade draft as well. And the no-trade draft would have been more right, and if I went with my gut, would have been better than what my actual mock draft was, the one that had trades and that things that I forced instead of actually thinking it would happen. So if you go through the 2021 NFL draft versus my no trades draft, I think I'd get more accurate. So I got 11 right. Like, actually, I know we joked about getting 13 right because I flipped Jalen Smith, Jalen Phillips, and Quiddy Pay. I got 11. That was better than all of the people that get paid to do that. I do this for free and waste a lot more time doing it. And I got 11. So if we do no trades, we're just going to run through this super fast. I don't want to take too much time on this. So Trevor Lawrence 1, Zach Wilson 2, if I went for my gut, I would have said Trey Lance 3 because that's what I wanted and that's what I think should have happened. But I was like, oh, they're all saying it's Mac Jones. They're all still saying it's Mac Jones. Should have said Trey Lance. 4, Kyle Pitts, Jet 5, Jamar Chase, Jalen Wall 6. Penny Sewell would have gone 7 to the, do- the Lions because I had him going 7. I didn't see him slipping past number 7. A lot of people said the Lions would draft Penny Sewell. I just really wanted the Chargers to draft Penny Sewell. So that's 7 for 7. If I went with my gut out of this. Eight 
If I kept the Panthers there, I said J.C. Horn. I said it in the, if not then, it will be this guy. If the Panthers didn't trade back, I said this in my mock draft, they didn't trade back, it would be J.C. Horn. So that would have been eight for eight. And then nine, I would have gotten that wrong, because I would have said Justin Fields. I thought the Broncos should have taken a quarterback. They didn't. They went with Patrick Sertan, because they really believe in Drew Locke. So, what, right, wrong, or otherwise, they think Drew Locke still has some potential left in there. I would have gone Justin Fields there. Ten, I would have Patrick Sertan. I, it, since, the, since the Broncos took him, the Cowboys traded back. That was a guy that the, the Cowboys were going to look at. Eleven, the, the Giants, I had them taking Devontae Smith. If there was no trades, I still think Devontae Smith. The Eagles at 12, I would have had them taking Quiddy Pay because that was the player that was reported that Howie Roseman really, really liked, Quiddy Pay. And they traded up to get Devontae Smith past the Giants. So if they didn't trade up and didn't get Devontae Smith, I really think they would have taken Pay here at 12. 13, the Chargers, Rashawn Slater. So there's nine. Best offensive lineman available. Vikings, I would have had them taking Elijah Vera Tucker. They had needs at guard and tackle. Vera Tucker plays both. So I was like, they'll hit both with Vera Tucker. Now, would you count that as a half point because you would have gone 14? Or would we just not count that at all? Because he did go to the Jets at 14. But I think we would have had Slater or, uh, Slater go to the Chargers, Vera Tucker go to the Vikings at 14. 15, Patriots, Mac Jones. So there's 10. That's 10 in the first five, 15 picks would have been exactly right. Mac Jones going 15 to the Patriots. 16 Cardinals, I had Zayvon Collins. There's 11. Raiders, I would have Micah Parsons. So that would have been wrong because he obviously went 12. Or, yeah, 12 to the Dallas Cowboys. 18, I would add Jalen Phillips. Because Quiddy pays off the board already. I would have had Jalen Phillips there. There's 12 or uh, 11 picks right. Or 12 picks right? 12. So we're already better. Jamin Davis, I had him going 19 to the Washington football team. So there's 13. Greg Newsom, I would have had going to the Bears. I, had J- I would have had Christian Derrissaw going to the Colts at number 21. So that would have been wrong. So what are we at? 13 picks, right? The Titans, I had Elijah Moore, but I also did put, if not then, Caleb Farley, which makes a lot more sense. But since I didn't have that in here, I'll take the L on that one with Elijah Moore going there. Tevin Jenkins, I would have still had that going to the Jets. I think he fit nicely with what the Jets want to do. But they got Vera Tucker, which is a great pick as well. 24, Steelers, Najee Harris, was that? 14 picks right. Uh, Barmore to the Jaguars would have gotten that wrong. Jeremiah Wilson, Koromoa, they eventually got him, but not at 26. 27, Rashad Bateman. So what? That's 15 picks right. Caleb Farley, the Saints, didn't happen. Packers, Kadarius Tony didn't happen. Tra- Travis Etienne didn't happen. Jason Owe, there's 16. And then the uh, Buccaneers, I had them taking Ojolari if they didn't trade back. So that's 16 picks right. Or let's double check this and see exactly how that was. So we got the first eight picks right. Then we would have gotten the uh, Chargers right. So there's nine. Ten with the Patriots at 15. Eleven with the Cardinals at 16. Twelve with the Dolphins. Thirteen with the Washington football team. And 14 with the Steelers. 15 with the Ravens, and then 16 with the other Ravens pick. That's 16 picks right if I did no trades. That's what I'm saying. Don't, I'm going to stop forcing trades because that happens. I would have gotten half of the draft exactly right if I did zero trades, which is stupid to think about, but that's that, that hurts my soul a little bit more 
than what my actual draft dodge, which was a good draft anyways. 11 picks right out of 32 is a good ratio when you look at the other people that get paid to do this. And then players like JOK eventually got drafted by the Browns. But man, that hurts. If I just did, I didn't touch it. If I didn't touch any trades, I would have been 16 out of 32. 50% right. Crazy. That hurts. That hurts the soul quite a bit. I'm, I'm, I'm very upset that that happened. That, had, that, that panned out like that. But you know what? We move on. We move on. For the rest of the draft, I don't believe in doing mock drafts rounds 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. I think that's a waste of time, especially with how the second round started, with how many trades took place at the start of it. But there were some good moves in the second round. I was kind of surprised with some moves. We'll talk more about the surprise. I think you can say you're more surprised with second or third round picks than you can with 4, 5, 6, 7 rounds. But for the second round to start off, Jaguars started off, I narrowed it down to JOK, uh, Trayvon Morig and Elijah Moore. That was who I thought they were going to take. One of those three. Or Barmore. Or Barmore since I had him in the first round. They took Tyson Campbell from Georgia. Cornerback from Georgia. He was kind of that... Him, Stokes, and Asante Samuel were that sixth corner that were on the board. You could rotate it however you want. And then Kelvin Joseph actually went before Asante Samuel, if I'm not mistaken, who went to the LA Chargers. which was a great... Great value pick by the Los Angeles Chargers. But I was kind of surprised by that. The Kelvin Joseph went before Asante Samuel. But I love that they addressed that. That they got a corner like Asante Samuel for the Chargers to eventually replace. Or not eventually. Just straight up replace Casey Award. That is a very smart move by the Los Angeles Chargers. Didn't need to trade up to get him if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they just sat there at 47 and took Samuel there. The Jets at 34 took Elijah Moore. So you, with the New York Jets, you get Zach Wilson, trade up for Vera Tucker, and then get Elijah Moore in the second round. And then later, later in the draft, you get Michael Carter from North Carolina. The Jets had a great draft. They had a fantastic draft. And I, I hate when people say, I think this guy will bust. A lot of people are going to say that was Zach Wilson. I, I I'm tired of people saying, I think this player is going to bust. Before they've even played a snap in the NFL. This Jets organization, what they are right now, is completely different to the old Jets organization that ruined quarterbacks throughout history. And I love this move by the Jets of getting guys like Vera Tucker, getting Elijah Moore. And Robert Sala said it best. This organization is going to lift you up, not the other way around. We're going to help you, and then you will eventually help us. I think Zach Wilson has all the skills to be in a great NFL quarterback, and I'm excited to see what he does with the Jets because I think he can do great stuff with them. And I think players like Elijah Moore and Michael Carter and Elijah Vera Tucker will very much help him in his maturation process at the next level. Broncos getting Javante Williams was a great move by them. Lost uh, Philip Lindsay. You have Melvin Gordon there, but getting Javante Williams there is a great value pick in the second round. Dolphins picked Javon Holland which was kind of surprising, but not really at the same time because I think Javon Holland is a very, very good safety. He was my number two safety on my safety board, and I'm I'm not terribly surprised he got drafted by Morig, who went to the Raiders at 43-1 pick before the Dallas Cowboys, who I think would have taken him if Morig was still on the board at 43, who I believe traded up with San Francisco in order to get him, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't watch 
the second round because I was driving to Iowa City or riding to Iowa City. So I didn't watch it, but I was following it on my phone. The Bears getting Tevin Jenkins in the third, the second round, pick 39. Stroke a genius. They needed help. I had Tevin Jenkins going there numerous times at 20, and now the Bears get him in the second round. Talk about great value pick right now. They're Bears and teams like the Browns, I think, won the draft. Players like Greg Newsome and JOK, who went to the Browns at freaking 52. 52. It's the fact that he's a little bit smaller and somewhat of a tweener that scared some people away. But dude can pl- flat out play. And I was surprised he didn't get drafted in the first round, but I'm happy he eventually got drafted by the Cleveland Browns. So that marks off, I mean, a half point for me because I got the team right and the player right, but just not the exact time where they got the player right. And then Eichenberg went to the Miami Dolphins. He'll probably transition over to the left, right tackle for Tua. He played a ton of great football at Notre Dame. Just a fantastic, sturdy right tackle for the Dolphins. I know he played left tackle at Notre Dame. But again, like we talked about numerous times, the swing tackle is kind of, it's a normal thing now where players can move from right to left as a lot more easier than what they could back then, back in the day. Richie Grant going to the Falcons at 40, also before Trayvon Morig, also kind of surprised me. He was my, what, what was he, number three or four safety on my big board? Let's see. I, I need to look up my big board real quick because I don't really remember my safeties list. Richie Grant was number four. And then we had Andre Sisco from Syracuse who was coming off an ACL injury. So I'm not too surprised that he didn't go as high as what I he would have if he didn't tear his ACL. So going on again, Levi honors rookie. Makes a lot of sense for the Lions. He loves, what do you say? He loves to effing kill people or something like that, which fits with the Lions do. Their, their uh, aesthetic. The Lions aesthetic. The Cardinals getting Rondell Moore. Great value pick as well. Nice little slot guy to pair with A.J. Green and DeAndre Hopkins. Very smart move by there. Aziz Ojolari going to the Giants at 50. A player they liked in the first round goes to them at 50. Great value pick there. The knee injury helped the Giants in that regard. Dylan Raydunes going to the Tennessee Titans at 53 to play right tack, replacing Isaiah Wilson. Tutu Atwell. Going to the LA Rams at 57. Oh, geez. Carlos Basham going to the Bills all the way at 61. Great value pick there. The Bills see their edge rushers aging. Both Jerry Hughes and Mario and uh yeah, Mario Addison are 40, 34, geez, 33 years old. So they get Greg Rousseau in the first round, who, if he can realize his potential, who he hasn't played in a while, so if he realizes his potential beast of an edge rusher 15 and a half sacks his last season at Miami didn't play last year I'm glad he went in the first round and then Carlos Basham beast a little bigger weight wise than Greg Rousseau different style of edge rusher but the Bills saw that was its position that was aging and they addressed it beautifully done by Brandon Bean and co with the Buffalo Bills the Jacksonville Jaguars at 65 took Andre Sisco at the third round again would have gone higher if not for his ACL injury. They needed help at safety. I thought Morig would be their guy in the first, or the, one of their guys in the first round, or geez, second round. Geez, my brain's all over the place. I'm sorry. My brain is officially fried from this past weekend. So I, I apologize if this is not the greatest show of all time, but we're struggling here. But you had Andre Sisco going there. Kellen Mond, 
going to the Vikings in the third round, second pick of the third round, kind of surprised me. But, man, I know Vikings fans, there's some out there that idiotically really dislike Kirk Cousins. This will help them in their pursuit of getting rid of Kirk Cousins because Kellen Mond, though inconsistent, can play. And, good Lord, if he gets an opportunity the preseason, he might be able to push Kirk Cousins a lot, but Kirk's a good quarterback. I think he's got two years left on his deal or something like that. So they've got the replacement in place. So if Kirk's done and they don't want to bring him back after two years, they got Kellen Mond waiting in the wings. And then Kyle Trask, who I forgot to mention, went 64 to the Bucks. mentioned him going to the Bucks in the first round. And he goes to them in the second round. He fits exactly what Bruce Arians wants in a starting quarterback. Big, tall guy. Not very fast, but has a very strong arm and can put the ball anywhere on the field. Love Kyle Trask. I really like that all these quarterbacks, because Davis Mills went to the Texans at 67. All three of these quarterbacks went within three picks of each other. The only thing that Andre Sisko separated, Kellen Mond, Davis Mills, and Kyle Trask. That's about the order that, that's the order I had. So you can argue this draft is going exactly like how a lot of people ranked their quarterbacks. You'd obviously switch a few things around, like move Justin Fields up your list, but like Trevor, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Trask, Mond, Mills. That's a pretty straightforward order right there. And I like it. I was kind of surprised when the Texans took Davis Mills, but they're loading up on quarterbacks right now. They have Tyrod Taylor on the roster as well. So from what I saw this weekend, it looks like Deshaun Watson's time in Houston is done. Whether he's going to prison or he's going to another team or whatever. I don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson, but they're loading up on quarterbacks. And if he comes back, Davis Mills is a nice security option because he's only played 11 games. So you could develop him, a really smart guy, really, uh, what do you call it, confident guy. So whatever happens to Sean Watson, you got him waiting in the wings, and Tyra Taylor's there as well. Davis Mills can learn from those guys. And I think it's a very weird pick, but I, I can see the vision in there, especially when you look, when I say weird, I mean, I don't look at the Texans and go, they're in dire need of a quarterback. They're in dire need of a lot of other positions on the field, most notably in the defense. But, hey, if you don't know what Deshaun Watson's future holds, uh, this pick does make sense from the quarterback spot. Jalen Mayfield went to the Atlanta Falcons at 68, which is a pretty surprising. I think that the reason is he's very inexperienced. He's kind of a tweener. We don't really know what position on the O-line he is. Falcons picking him up at 68. Great move. If you want to play him at guard, which I'm assuming is where they're going to play him, even though he was a tackle, I would make sense for them. The Bengals took Joseph Asai in the second round at pick 69. The Panthers took Brady Christensen from BYU at number 60 or at number 70. Really nice value pick there for them. One of the more underrated off to tackles in this draft. I know we made fun of it him going in the first round a few weeks ago. We knew he wasn't going in the first round. I thought that was stupid that he went there, but he's a very underrated tackle, I would say. I didn't put him in my last top 10, but there's a lot of good tackles in this draft. So it's not really an indictment on him. It's more of how deep this tackle class really was. Keep scrolling down the menu a little bit. And then you come to another off to tackle going to the Buffalo Bills. And Spencer Brown at 93. I love this. I had a class with Spencer Brown. And 
I love the fact that he got drafted by the Bills. He's a really developmental piece, like most of the FCS players are in this draft, very developmental. None of them have played in a year. Most of them haven't. At least, like, Jabril Cox, he played last year, but he went to LSU. He was the one that transferred away. But players like Ray Dunes, Lance, Spencer Brown, Ellerson Smith, they didn't transfer, so they haven't really played in two years. But I'll say this. I like this because the Bills picked an offensive lineman. I think that was a position that was an underrated need on the Bills. Even though they brought everybody back on the O-line, there's still some question marks there. Spencer Brown, 6'9", 311 pounder thereabout. I love it. And I, I love it also because I think he's a really good person. Because I had a class with him at UNI, and I can say he's every bit of 6'9". But we were in a public speaking class together. And he had a whole, he went, his speech, if I remember right, this was about a year and a half ago, of, he wanted to provide for, he wanted to be charitable. He's one of his biggest role models is J.J. Watt. So if and when he were to make it to the NFL, he wanted to do a lot in charity work. And another big thing he wanted to do, and this got, the everybody in the class got teary-eyed after he said this, he's from Lenox, Iowa. Not the biggest town in the state of Iowa. And his dad works in a factory. And the one of his other goals was to make sure his dad didn't have to go back to the factory. He didn't want to work at the factory anymore. And he started crying from that. And just looking at that and how much it means to... And he said he even cried after Varley offered him to you and I. Like, all these things show how much he cares about not just the sport, but the things involving the sport. Like, things not necessarily, oh, it's not football, but it involves football, like charitable aspects, family stuff, because when you get to the NFL, you can help your family out financially and help sort of retire them in a sense. I don't know if most families, I don't know if my parents would want to retire if that ever happened, but so a lot of people, their goal is to retire their parents. And I understand that completely. That's a goal for everybody, and as it should be for most people. But he's a really, really good person. From what I can tell, I was in a class with him. And I talk to him sometimes, and I, I always feel weird in classes. I'm a very introverted person. If you know me, I'm very introverted. So I don't like really socializing with people unless I necessarily have to. And our professor took us to her house, and we had like a little end-of-the-semester party. And I hung out with Spencer and a kid that I did a KULT show right before mine. So I kind of knew him. But I talked to him, and it was fun. I mean, we had a good time. I wouldn't say, like, we're best buddies or anything, but I talked to him, and I really like Spencer. So I love the fact that the Bills got him because, you know, you and I connection here. I wanted him on the Bills, and I'm happy they picked him up in the third round. I'm excited to see what he does on the Bills. And this could mean that Deion Dawkins, who's been the Bills' starting left tackle for the past four years or thereabout, could move to guard, and Spencer Brown could play left tackle for the Bills. Even though he's a right tackle at UNI, could play left tackle easy. Again, we talked about the swing tackle thing. But I love this move by the Buffalo Bills, getting him in the third round. Then I love the move by like the Vikings, getting Wyatt Davis in the third round. I guess the ACL tear was a little more scary for most teams than I thought, so he dipped to the third round, but great value pick yet again by the Minnesota Vikings. So they went in, got Christian Derrissaw, they got Kellen Mond, and Wyatt Davis. Their offensive line, just on the two offensive linemen I mentioned, just instantly got better. It was one of the worst units in the league last year, especially on the interior of the O-line. Those two players, Darisaw and Davis, instantly improved their offensive line. 
Dakota Dozier can get benched. You put in Wyatt Davis. You bring in Derrissaw to play left tackle. You have Derrissaw Cleveland, Bradbury Davis, Tyler O'Neill. That is a thousand times better than last year's O-line. Just because Dakota Dozier's not in there. <laughs> Basically, that's how it works out for them. But, yeah. They also got Chad Surratt in the third round as well. Three, first, three third round draft picks. And are four. They got Patrick Jones from Pittsburgh, the defensive end, who was talked about going a little bit higher than the third round. So the Vikings, once again, got very good value for their picks. And I'm excited to see how these picks turn out for Minnesota. And then you've got other picks in the third round, like, uh, where is he? Divine, Divine Diablo going to the Raiders, another safety going to the Raiders, but he's more of that um, strong safety, whereas Mo Rig is a free safety. So, that's a nice pickup for the Raiders there. Dammy Brown going to the Washington football team at 82. Chauncey Goldson, Iowa player, was the first Iowa player off the board. Kind of surprisingly going 84th to the Cowboys. Then you've got Trey Sermon going to the 49ers. you got Amari Rodgers going to the Green Bay Packers. There's a little bit of a troll, I would assume, by the Green Bay Packers, which just can't seem to get out of their own way. I think Amari Rodgers is a very good wide receiver, but I think the name Rodgers was one of the reasons they took him, <laughs> took him there. Uh, other players that we liked in the third round, Paulson, Paulson Adebayo going to the Saints. Nice corner. He was expected to go a little bit earlier last year, but decided to come back. And, yeah, going to the Saints in the third round, I think will work out very, very nicely for all parties involved. And then what else do we got on here? Then in the third, the fourth round, we got Jay Tufel going to the Jaguars in the first pick in the fourth round. Great value pick again. Expected to go a lot higher. Uh, Michael Carter, as we said earlier, going to the Jets at 107, the running back from North Carolina. Great pick there. What other ones do we have? Armand Ross St. Brown going to the Lions at 112. Ridiculous value right there for them. Jabril Cox going to the Dallas Cowboys at 115. I love that pick. They're just addressing the linebacker spot here. They're making sure that their linebacking situation is sorted. They're not trying to get screwed. They're not trying to screw around with their linebacking core this year. Then you had Ellerson Smith going to the Giants. Excited to see what he does as well. Another UNI guy. Very long edge rusher. So we'll see how he does. Very athletic, very long edge rusher. Those kind of guys like Gregory Rousseau before. Jalen Phillips. I'm excited to see what he will do with the New York Giants. And then the ninth quarterback went off the board. And Ian Book from Notre Dame. Very competitive guy. Had a great career at Notre Dame. He goes to the New Orleans Saints. Like this pick. A lot. Really like Ian Book. I'm excited to see what he does if he gets an opportunity in New Orleans. Great for him. This is where Dak Prescott went, somewhere in the fourth round. So just because you get drafted in the fourth round does not mean you're not going to play. And I hope Book eventually gets a chance because I think with his competitive nature, it could work out very nicely for him and the Saints. Athletic, has a decent arm, competitive. I like the pick for the New Orleans Saints. And then just all in all, because my voice is starting to hurt a little bit. I'm just going to end it here. But all in all, great draft. Love the draft. Excited to see how all these players do. Again, if you're one of those people that writes players off before they've even played a snap in the NFL, screw you. Don't write a player off before they played a snap. You might not like the pick, but don't go and bash the player. Like, we talked about Alex Leatherwood in the first round. I didn't like the pick. I don't mind the player. It's just a little bit of a reach. You could have gotten in the second round. You could have gotten someone a little different in the first round. 
But I'm not going to bash Alex Leatherwood. That's stupid. Peyton Turner, same thing. I don't. I think you could have gotten him later. But I'm not going to bash the player. You might say, oh, I think Justin Fields should have gone before Zach Wilson. That's fine. But that doesn't mean you have to put down Zach Wilson in that regard. I think Zach Wilson will bust. Why? Because you wanted Justin Fields to go there? That's stupid. I'm excited to see what these quarterbacks go. These are five really good first-round quarterbacks and five great locations for them. I really want to know where they are, or how not know where they are, how they d- develop in the year coming years. So, yeah, my throat's gone. I need to rest. And, yeah, that's all I've got for you on this Monday edition of Logan Blackman Show. Hope you enjoyed. And if you do a mosh draft next year, don't overthink it because that's the difference between 11 picks right and 16. So make sure you don't overthink it. So with that being said, I will see you guys later. Have a good rest of your day and peace.